It's a blessing to just come to you and bring you the gospel of God's grace. Today we're going to be talking about the new man in Christ Jesus. And when I say the new man in Christ Jesus, I say it that way for a reason. We talk about the new man, we talk about this new man in Christ Jesus. And when we talk, when we say the word Christ, we can also use the word king or ruler or the one that has dominion over sin and death. So when we say we're talking about the new man in Christ Jesus, we're talking about a brand new man that is inside the one that rules and reigns over sin and death. And we're going to talk about this recreation and we're going to talk about what God has formulated and brought forth in the resurrection and how that pertains to us today. The first passage we're going to read is from uh, Ephesians chapter 4 and uh, verse 23. Or let me read from verse 21. It says, If so be that you've heard of him and have been taught by him as, uh, as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning the former conversation the old man which is corrupt according to deceitful lusts and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new man which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Now when we look at these passages, our hearts can quickly jump back to the old default setting of oh my goodness, I need to now try and put off the old man, meaning that I have to get rid of the fruit of the old man, and I need to put on the new man and try and do the things that I would understand the new man would be. Things like love one another, be kind, be generous, and so forth. Now I want to just tell you straight out that that old way of thinking is not what I'm going to talk about today. It's not what I am going to explain today because that will just leave you, if I don't do it, if I do it in the old way of understanding this, it would leave you powerless and you will not experience what God has intended for you. <clears throat> God has intended a brand new life for us and that is very important to understand. We need to understand the gospel and uh, the reason why God has made us. Let me put it this way. We need to understand the gospel from the platform of why God has made us. And when we have that in our mind and we go and look at what this old man is and what this new man is and what it means when the Bible says we became a new man, we will experience power in our life. At the end of the day, Jesus Christ came to share his life with us. You've heard me say this many times Maybe I've preached this a thousand times in our web church. And this is something that I think of regularly and I want you to meditate on regularly. And that is that God has made you for the purpose of sharing his life with you. He's not made you for uh, the purpose of being a servant. He has not made you to be his slave. He's not made you to work in a garden. He's not made you for the purpose of just worshipping Him or anything like that. He has made you for the purpose of sharing His life with you. Now, we can easily say we have not been made to be servants. We have not been made to be His slaves. <clears throat> we have not been made 
to be worshippers. And we can be so happy that we are not those things because under the understanding that we have been made to sing praises to God or that we have been made to work for God or things like that, we've experienced a lot of defeat and we've experienced a lot of hurt. And now when we come and we're preaching a message that says we have not been made for those things, we can be very happy that we are not made for those things. And it can be a joy that can last for a long time because glory to God, I am not that anymore. It can be likened to what happened in South Africa in the end, ending of the apartheid system or in countries all over the world. I think there was only 10 countries in the world that was not colonized. <coughs> but So this will be true for many nations where people were colonized and where the people were made slaves and where there was a slave trade and all those things. I mean, we can be very happy and people that were slaves, they, they can rejoice in the fact that they are not slaves anymore. And they can come together and they can talk about how slavery ended and they can have all the war stories on how they came together and how they stood for what was right and how that what was wrong ended. But that still leaves you with a joy that you are not a slave. But that is still not the joy of experiencing the new man. Uh, you can just be happy that you are not in slavery, but you still have to ask yourself the question, since I'm not a slave, what am I now? How does this life look? What is the dynamics of this life? How do I walk in this life? How does this new life actually benefit me? And then put your focus not on what you're not, but on what you are. And as you focus on what you are, you will find the power of the new come forth in your life. So that is what we need to understand. So when the Bible comes and it talks about <clears throat> in Ephesians, when Paul comes, we need to realize that when he talks about the ending of the old and the beginning of the new, he does this in chapter 4 and from verse 21. And only in verse 25, he talks about certain fruit that will manifest in the new. Now think for yourself, there's a, a letter with uh, basically six chapters and 24 verses and four chapters and 25 verses into the letter after explaining the good news in depth. He uses four chapters and 25 verses as a foundation to speak a little bit about good works. Now why would he do that? Why would he lay such a vast, big foundation. And if you study Ephesians, you will see he lays that foundation over and over and he repeats himself to the point that if you make a true study of Ephesians, it can actually become a bit boring after a while as Paul repeats himself and says the same thing over and over. First from perspective between man and God, then from a perspective of man and each other, and then from a perspective of man and the very life or the fruit of God in his life. And then from there, he comes and starts to explain this new man, this, this fruit that, that manifests. Why would Paul do it that way? Simply, and this is my belief why he did that way, simply because people, the moment you hear about good works, we so quickly jump back to the default setting of, I must do those things. And Paul doesn't want that, because the moment you think 
that you have to do the new man. You have to, since you are now a new man, you must behold the new man, Jesus, and then do what Jesus does. The moment you think that way, Paul knows that would be the end of your life. That would be a foundation of destruction, a foundation of all manner of sin and all manner of hatred and bitterness that will continue to expound and find its life in your life. And he doesn't want that. When we <coughs> look at the writings of Paul, we find that Paul talks about an old man and a new man. Now, what is this old man? This old man is the man that tries to find life by his own works. And this you've heard many times. The old man, we can define the old man for two hours here in using different examples and all those kind of things. But basically what it boils down to, it is uh, the old man found its birth in Adam when Adam implemented the tree of the knowledge of good and evil when he believed that he could have the life of God by beholding God, beholding the good that's in God, and then doing good, and so by his own works, work up God in himself, and so have eternal life. N not needing the life of God to give it to him for free. Let us just back up a little bit. <clears throat> when we think of why God made us, and I want to talk a little bit about the old man, but from the perspective of why God made us. When God made you, the reason why he made you was to share his life with you. This morning I used an example, a good example, that everybody laughed about and found humorous. And let me just use it here again. Uh, about three, four years ago, I would cycle a lot. And I loved cycling. I'd love to go out in the mornings and cycle out on some of the dirt roads around our town. And as the sun would rise up, I would go five o'clock in the morning, and as the sun would rise, you would just see these beautiful canola fields with the yellow flowers and the sun coming up, and you would see Table Mountain in the distance, and <clears throat> the weather would be so many mornings, so perfect, and it would be so beautiful. And then I would come home, and it would be about a 45-minute ride back from this place where it was so beautiful. I would come home and tell my wife, let us get in the car and I would quickly get ready, jump in the car and then we would drive out there and then everything I've experienced wasn't there anymore. It was gone. Uh, all the beauty, the whole feeling, everything was gone and it, it wasn't the same in a car as what it was on, uh, 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 on the bike. And what my dream was, was I want her to share in that. Uh, the first thing that I would, that she would, there's certain things that she would need in order for her to share um, that life that I have, that in order to make use of my life inside her. And that is, she will have to be able to, um, to have senses. She will have to think, she will have to be able to reason, she will have to be able to see and hear and feel and all those kind of things. And then she will have to have some form of a natural inclination to the beauty of nature. She will have to have that. If she doesn't have that, then I will not be able to share my life with her. Now, Elena does have all of that. So um, if I can just get her out there, uh, just out in the open and just take her there. Now, Elena, 
she doesn't love she doesn't love cycling at all she tried it it is just not for her it is not who she is i remember the first time we went cycling we went from our uh, driveway to the first stop street and she said okay she's ready to go home now now that is about 20 meters that's not far what's it 25 yards and then she said i, I think i've had enough and but she tried and there was time when she could cycle like 20 kilometers and everything but it was just not for her. So because inside her own ability, she cannot find, find the strength and the power to share in my quality of life, I had to pay a price. And that price was, I had to go and buy a motorbike so that she could share in my quality of life. I mean, I just had to make that sacrifice. What can I say? It cost me an arm and a leg. But I did it so that she can have her own seat in the back of that bike and that I can take her out and uh, have her enjoy this beauty with me that she can share in my life. And I think that's a very good story and a very good analogy on what Christ has done. He knew that man in his own ability would never be able to uh, share in his quality of life. Man in his own ability could not cycle to the depths of God's quality of life, if you want to call it like that. And then God was willing to pay a price so that we can have our own seat on this power that drives him so that he can take us to the depths of his person, to the depths of his understanding, to the depths of the way he sees things so that we can share in his quality of life. And yesterday, just to get back to the motorcycle, Elena and I, we, um, we took the bike and we did about 80, 100 kilometers on dirt roads uh, around town here and it was so nice. Uh, and what was nice for me was when we went from the tar road onto the dirt road, I said to her, can you feel, can you just feel that peace, that, that difference? And she said, yes, definitely. You know, and that was, to me, such a beauty because that with the very thing I feel, she is feeling. And now the end goal is reached because she can share in what I feel. And now we can enjoy this life together. In the very same way, it is with us and God. Uh, God has done everything, made everything possible in Christ to recreate us to bring forth a new creation, a creation that functions on a platform wherein they can have access to the quality of God's life. That is what he did in Jesus Christ. So now the old man was a man that beheld God, beheld the life of God and thought that he by his own ability can reach unto the depths of the life of God and so share in the life of God. But since man was made from the dust of the earth and man doesn't have that ability in himself, the only way you can have that is if you have it on account of God. His account makes it possible for us. His ability makes it possible for us to share in his life. And that's what he's come to do in Christ Jesus. Now, what Paul comes and what he says here is he is trying to bring the attention of the people in Ephesus 
unto the fullness of the new man and the dimensions of what this new man will bring you unto. That's what he wants. And he doesn't want them to think anything is outstanding uh, as pertaining to the perfection of this new man. And the reason why he doesn't want that is simply because of the, uh, the effect lack has on the human heart. The moment you think you lack, and the moment you think what Christ has done for you excludes certain things, in that area where you believe it's excluded is the very area wherein you will be able to be tempted to go back to works righteousness. So what Paul is doing in, in Ephesians is he's trying to explain to people the dimensions of the new man and what this new man includes. And now he comes and he says to them, and if you, I don't have time to do that, but I've, uh, I've recorded a course on Ephesians verse by verse, which will be made available as soon as what all the final stuff is finished to all of you. But <clears throat> if you look at Ephesians, you will see that Paul all the time puts the focus on how the old belief had a destructive life. The old belief had a destructive life and had negative fruit. And he, and he beheld that negative fruit and that destructive life. And he saw that as something that destroys the goal that God has for people in their lives, where they are, uh, where they live in sexual immorality, where they live in drunkenness, hatred, and all those kind of things. And as they live in that, he sees that as destructive. And he all the time, in his whole writing in Ephesians, connects that to what they believed. And he's saying to them that the old way of belief includes this life. So, you cannot get rid of this life as long as what you believe these certain things. And now he comes and he says to them, since you believed, I saw certain changes in your life, which I'm so happy about. But let me show you the dimensions of this brand new man so that you will never be tempted to try and do anything new, but that you can be clothed by it as you believe unto this new reality as the full truth about you. Now the reason why I'm teaching on this is simply because of what I'm seeing in the Grace Church. As I look at the Grace Church on social media and in my dealings with people and churches that walk in the message of grace, I find that we are still very excited that we are not slaves. We are very excited that we are not saved by our works. We are very excited that there is no more guilt for us. We would love to quote the verse, and it is frequently on our mouths and on our lips, as it's supposed to be, that there is no more condemnation for us in Christ Jesus. We love to say, the old things have passed away. We love to say, God accepts me just the way I am, which are all true and wonderful. Yet, as we behold that, we're beholding the end of the old man. We're still not beholding the new man. We have to ask ourselves, if I am not a slave anymore, what am I now? I am free. Okay, what is this freedom? Let us define the parameters of this freedom. Let us talk about what this freedom is without fear in our hearts. You know, I find so many times... Um, that we can, if I put something on Facebook, for instance, and I say, uh, nothing can separate us from the love of God, you can find 300 likes on that. 
the moment we say that the, um, that the manifestation of a holy life that is Christ is ours, then you can find maybe 80 likes on that. Why? It's, it's because inside our hearts, in the subconscious, uh, in our subconscious, there's still a fear of good works. There's still a fear because our mind somehow makes a connection to the good works as something that we must bring forth instead of realizing it is something that we believe we already are for that is what we already are in the resurrected Jesus. So what, the, what I want to talk about and what I want you to, um, to keep in your heart at the end of the service is the revelation and the discovery of who you really are including the good works because we would say <coughs> I am not a slave anymore I am free uh, I am not under the law anymore I, uh, I don't have to do anything in order for God to love me yes I don't have to do it's like Elena and I she doesn't have to do anything in order for me to love her I love her so the way she is that is how I love her Yes, but now that I love her the way she is, now I want to share my life with her. There's a reason why I love her. Who she is, is uh, brings joy to my heart and brings excitement to my heart, and she is the one that I felt to share my life with. And now I want to share my life with her, that she can experience my life and that she can feel my life. And the same is true for her. That is what this is all about. It's about a union between us wherein we share in one another's lives. So I want to put it this way. Paul said it this way. He says, I forget what was behind. And that includes my slavery, the fact that I was a slave. I forget that. And I now say, well, I was a slave. Yes, I was uh, in bondage. Yes, I was all that. But now I am a free man. What is this free man? How does this free man look? What am I part of now? What have, I, what have I been adopted into now? How does this work? And now we will realize as we ask those questions that the way the new man work is not by works. The way the new man work is by a beholding of our perfection, including the good works. In other words, when I look at Jesus seated at the right hand of the Father, I look at him and I say, well, I'm seated at the right hand of God in Christ. Glory to God. What does that mean? He is called Christ Jesus. The Christ is the one that is the Messiah, not of the Jews, but of the whole world. And he is the ruler that rules over the sin of the world and the life that is not a partaker of the life of Christ or the life of God himself. And he is then the one that ends that life and in the resurrection by the Holy Spirit brought forth a brand new creature, a brand new form of human, a brand new human being. And that human being, physical human being, includes a new way of thinking, a new way of reasoning, new actions and the whole deal so that we don't have to repent of our sins anymore and try to live a holy life anymore. Why? Because He ended our old life and already gave us a new life.
What we do is we behold the new. One of the problems that I want to discuss is that I think brings forth weakness in the body of Christ is when we think of Jesus as a disembodied spirit. Jesus is not a disembodied spirit. Many of us accept the fullness of Christ, will think that the fullness of Christ will happen in our lives the moment we die. Why do we think that? It's because we think that Jesus is a spirit where he is today. And then we think if we are only spirit, then I'll be in perfection. And that is, I believe, the greatest lie that has ever come into the church. It is, if I must use my, my I don't want to be over radical, but I would call that satanic. There's no stronger word than that. It is satanic because it is anti-Christ. It's anti the one that came to rule over physical death and rule over the sins that manifest in the physical bodies of people so that God could come and share his life with these physical people so that they experientially in their lives can actually share in his quality of life by believing that Jesus is not a disembodied spirit but that he is a recreated physical human being and that, that recreation actually belongs to all of us. Now by saying that I will tell you I know YouTube as, as it is now streaming live you can rewind it and listen to it again and you can do that do that and hear it again because if our mindset is that Jesus is a spirit in heaven and he's not a physical human, you know what happens? Then our subconscious and our hearts doesn't give our bodies access to the resurrection power and we continue to struggle with all the old things. And the greatest thing we have to do then do in the good news and in the grace message is to continue to make the old worse. In other words, we continue to have our conversation on how, on how bad the old was. And then we all, and then many times I find this in many preachers' lives, they try to make more and more radical grace statements because they don't understand the new. And the only way they can advance in their life is by telling how bad the old was and having revelations on how anything you would do or any fruit in the old would actually be negative and bad and just sometimes just simply making a mockery of the old and finding their whole life in having revelations on what we don't have to do instead of forgetting what we don't have to do, forgetting on what we have to do and having a revelation on the brand new man which includes the very thing which is called fruit which is the practical place in the here and now where we can actually experience the very life of God. You know where you experience the life of God? It's in your actions. It's, it is a feeling in your heart as well as a living out. If I, <clears throat> if I go and I take my uh, bicycle and I go and I cycle and I take a beautiful picture of the sunset, that picture that I take there, I can bring it home and I can show it to my wife and I can show, I can show it to Eliana, I can show it to my friends, I can put it on Facebook and that can only be, be, be likened unto the law because it is just a shadow, it's shadows of colors put on a screen of a phone 
that you can behold trying to see what the real life, just casting a shadow on what the real thing really is. But the only way where you can experience my life is if you either get on a motorbike or you get on a bicycle and you cycle out there and you go and sit there and it happens in your life. That's the only way you can experience that. You can never, experience, you can never explain in words how it feels to stand on Table Mountain and to overlook the, the, uh, uh, Cape Town. You can never in words explain to somebody how it feels to walk underneath the Eiffel Tower. You can never experience, uh, tell somebody what it feels like to walk in the beautiful Alps. It is, you cannot explain that in words. It has to be experienced. In the very same way, God cannot explain to you what it feels like to love someone. What he has to do is, he has to love you unto a point where you can behold your brand new life, which includes a loving life or a life of kindness, wherein you say this new man actually includes these good works. It's not something I have to do. It's included in the package. As what I say, I am, I, I don't live by my works anymore. Why? Because I have been created unto good works, which he has prepared beforehand that I should walk in them. I, I have been created unto sharing in the very life of God. Now, as you hear this, you might say, oh my goodness, there it goes again. I must now go and do good works. If that is what you are hearing, I want to say to you, repent. You're not hearing what I'm saying. Listen again. What I'm saying is, is this. As we behold what the old man is and that we are not that, we have to then turn our back on that and say it was for freedom that we have been set free. And I want to tell you, it's not true freedom to all the time talk on what you were under. <clears throat> true freedom and the freedom that we've been made free for, according to Galatians 5, Paul says, is so that we can experience the fruit of the Holy Spirit which can only be experienced by beholding the fullness of the new creation, which includes a life where Jesus, not as a disembodied spirit, but as a physical human being, which didn't leave his physical body in the grave in his resurrection, which includes the physical body, that can have in his physical body the very experience of God, the love of God, the kindness of God, such a victory that it is even, that is even victorious over physical death. And when we behold that man as us, and we see that that man is actually as much as what it is Jesus, it is us, for he became us. His death is our death. His resurrection is our resurrection, therefore his life is our life. This morning in our morning broadcast I said if we look at South Africa and we look at our politics, uh, you know Jesus isn't stressed out about it. And if Jesus is not stressed out about it, then 
I can't say, well, since Jesus doesn't stress about it, therefore I don't have to stress about it. That would be wrong. That would be works. That would be saying, if Jesus doesn't stress, therefore I must now also not stress. And now I'm going to try to live as stress-free as Jesus. That is excluding yourself from the resurrection power. What you need to say is this. When I behold the stress-free life Jesus lives, I am actually beholding my own life. And anything else is a lie. Any other belief that causes anxiety or anything in me is a lie. And as long as what you experience the lie and feel the lie, let that lie be, uh, be something that tells you you need to look in the mirror more. Now, James says it clearly. <clears throat> let me read James. And most of you would know what I'm going to read now, but let's read it. James 1 And verse, verse 21 and 22, it says, Wherefore lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. So what is he saying here? He says the way we lay, lay filthy works and, and overflow of naughtiness and all those things apart is by receiving the engrafted word. What is the engrafted word? It is the, a certain message. What is this message? It is, and the way we have a brand new life is by being doers of a certain message. What is this message? It says here, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. So what, what it means is, when I come and I preach the word to you, the word, according to the New Testament, the, is the message that Jesus was raised from the dead and that there is a physical human being, not this embodied spirit. We find this, 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 this teaching, uh, and many of you might be upset with me when I say this, but I want to say this from the depth and the love of my heart. We find this teaching uh, that says that Jesus was raised from the dead and that is now a spiritual resurrection and that there is no physical resurrection anymore. Um, if we go, I think, the extreme of full preterists, they believe that, and then from their belief, everybody will be saved. So that is not what I see the Bible teaches. The Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible doesn't teach that there is no physical resurrection anymore. The, Paul was awaiting a physical resurrection because if we cannot believe that the resurrection of Jesus includes the conquering of the physical flesh's inability to obey the law, and in conquering death and bringing forth physical, uh, physical recreation into a man who, who in a physical body cannot die, and we see our, don't see ourselves included into that, I want to tell you you're going to live a defeated life. Some people say, I feel happier than ever before. and all this. Yes, you're just experiencing the happiness of thinking everybody is saved. You are not experiencing the joy of God. You're still not sharing in the life. You know, there are many things that can make you happy. I mean, if I stand, uh, um, if, if, if South Africa yesterday in the Tour de France would be the winner of the stage, that would make me very happy and can even make me happy for five years. But that is not the joy of the Lord. That is not the joy of God. That's not the eternal joy that is between the Father and the Son that's not based on circumstances. 
You know, that is what God wants to come and share with us and give birth in our lives. And the only way it can take place is he had to bring forth a truth about our life, put that truth in the heavens as an eternal truth. It had to be include us. And as we behold the new man in Christ, it includes the conquering of the power of the flesh and the corruption that there is in this world through lust and the inability to do the law and where the brand new life which the law promised which we could not attain is now given as a free gift unto us where we can love and have mercy and kindness actually live in us on account of the power of the resurrection and not our own working it is a gift i've said it many times the fruit of the spirit is not a command it's a promise. It is something we hope for and what we can expect He will bring forth in our lives. Now, <clears throat> I want to end off by, um, I'm just going to quote this. This is from Exodus 34. Exodus 34 clearly says, He says that when Moses beheld God, He says, God, if I have found grace in your eyes, if it is true, now remember what I said, that Moses or Noah found grace in the eyes of God. Grace means, one of the root meanings for grace means to pitch a tent or to encamp. In Afrikaans, omlaar op de slaan. That's what it means. I don't know what the English for that would be. Uh, <clears throat> so Moses said, what I'm seeing in your eyes is that you want to live with us. That's what he's saying. That's what he says. If I have found grace in your sight today. That's what Moses said. In, 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 remember, the whole story is this. God appeared to Moses on the mountain. He says, I will explain who I am. He says, I am merciful, gracious, long-suffering, abundant goodness and truth and so forth. And then Moses, the first time he speaks again, he says, well, I behold who you are. And what I'm actually seeing is if you're merciful, you are actually saying, I need people to be merciful too. You are gracious, you are kind, you forgive iniquity, transgression and sin. What you're actually saying is, you're wanting people to be good too. And what I'm beholding in your eyes is that you actually need somewhere to live, God. You want to come and live your life somewhere. And then, it, then verse 8 says, if you, if I have found grace in your sight, then he says, come and live amongst us a stiff-necked people and pardon our sins. Do you see what God does when he moves in? Do you see what he does? He comes and he pardons. He pardoning sin doesn't mean I'm not angry anymore. I think that is one of the that is the lowest way of trying to explain forgiveness. Pardoning of sin means to end missing the goal that God had with that person's life to end that missing the goal and bringing forth the true goal which would be to bring forth a merciful kind heart as is in the heart of God into those people's lives they can share in the life of God and that is what God brings forth with his visitation the Bible even says in 2 Corinthians 8 verse 9 when Paul talks about finances, he says, <clears throat> he says to the people in Corinth, when they promised to give money to the poor churches in Jerusalem, 
and give them gifts because they were going through a difficult time. He says, you've promised to give the money. Now I want to ask you to keep to that promise. And then he says, let this grace be in you, which was also in Christ. And he defines what grace is. He says, how he that was rich became poor, that those who are poor can be rich. What is grace? He says, let this grace be in you, which was in Christ, to take off his riches and enrich you with his very life. That's what he's saying. That is what grace is. Grace is not God not looking at your sin. When the Bible says God wasn't imputing their trespasses against them, what that means is that they had a trespass which was not believing in Jesus. And if God would impute that trespass, it would mean that he would allow that unbelief to continue to bring forth the fruit of the flesh unto eternal death in the lives of those that don't believe the truth. But what he was doing now is, he says, I am not going to allow this trespass of unbelief or believing the wrong thing to cause complete destruction in their lives. How? Because I will bring the truth and I will reconcile, recreate them in Christ and now bring a truth they can believe so that this trespass of not believing the right thing will not result in a life of the fruit of the flesh and complete annihilation or death. That is what he is talking about. God has come to share his life with us. I want to say to you, church, we as a grace church, and sadly I found that there are some folk, and I'm not pointing fingers, please hear what I'm saying, but there are some folk when they saw that the message of just rejoicing that I'm not a slave doesn't have the power to bring forth a new life has now say, said, well, I do believe in grace. We are not slaves. It's not by our works and all those kind of things. And then they said, well, since we're a new man, we need to live the new man. No, that is not what Paul says. And that is, that is law. And sadly, we found a lot of churches in grace, especially when it comes to the area of money and all those kind of things, deviate a little bit from the truth and bring in mixture and so are falling deeper and deeper into the law. And it will just end again, as the Apostle Paul would say, says it was for freedom that Christ has set us free. Why do you want to be brought under bondage again? For that bondage or that law system will bring forth all the fruit of the flesh in you. And then he says, don't you know that those who have this fruit in them are not partakers of the kingdom of God? They're not inheriting what God has intended for them. And you are now using a system that will bring forth all this death. I don't want you there. And the same with me. I don't want the church there. I don't want you that are in this dynamic love web church there. Neither do I want any church leader to bring in some form of a little bit of law or human responsibility into the thing saying they must do, do good. No. Paul says, be clothed with a new. Clothing with a new is believing I am new even in my works. If I find areas in my life where I am hateful or resentful or bitter or anything like that, where I find my identity in what my parents thought of me when I was a child or what I did when I was a child or, or any of those things, my mind go there, then all I have to do is I behold the new man, 
the recreated man, the new creature, and old things have passed away. I cannot relate to the old anymore. And I behold a loving, kind person that is, I behold a person that is not a slave, not there for the purpose of worshipping or any of those things, seated at the right hand of God, righteous with the righteousness of God, created after God in true holiness and true righteousness, including the, all the fruit. That is who I am. I'm beholding the love of Jesus. I say, that life is my life. And only by that faith do we have access unto the grace wherein Jesus became poor to enrich us with the quality of God's life. I hope you understand what I'm saying. Um, and you will, some might say, Beth, you know, you bring, bring us back under the law. No, I'm not bringing us back under the law. I'm talking about God bringing forth his life in us and that is what we can expect that's why the bible says it is better to give than what it is to receive because on the receiving side it is wonderful and glorious and without receiving we can never have the very life of god but as we receive the very life of god and we find the the end goal of receiving the life of god in becoming a giver, in becoming generous, in becoming kind, in becoming loving, in becoming uh, having compassion, in becoming all those things, now it is better than being at the place where you just had to receive because now the purpose of receiving something is coming to its, its flourishing in your life and you can now share in the very life of God which is the only eternal life. Glory to God. So. I trust this will give you a lot of hope and a lot of inspiration to know that the things that are in your life that is, um, that is bogging you down, negative things and all that, you don't have to try and make it work by your faith. It's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying believe it until it is. I'm not saying work it up by your faith. I'm saying just believe who you are. And it is the work of the Spirit to bring forth the fruit of God in your life. And how do we inherit this promise? The Bible says, by faith and patience, we inherit the promises of God. So there might be a time when you, in certain areas of your life, just have to be patient. But that is what God is bringing forth fruit, uh, bringing forth in your life. And as you are patient, in that time of patience, you don't have to. Let's say you've got an, a drinking problem. You, man, you drink three bottles of wine every day and you cannot go without that. Now, let's say you have a drinking problem and you know you cannot be free. You don't have to go and say, well, I'm not saying the grace doesn't work for me. What you do is you behold the sober person that is not addicted to anything seated at the right hand of the Father that is free, that can say no and all those things as the new creation. You behold that as you. And as you behold that, be patient. Maybe you don't see it today. Maybe you don't see it tomorrow. Don't disqualify yourself. Don't say something doesn't work. Don't say God doesn't love me. Don't say God doesn't care for me. But that, that thing that, that you are ashamed of, you live in shame. You feel afraid that people will find this out. You, you live in all that fear. and That is not for you. That is not for you. You are being tortured by the enemy. And God, it was for freedom that he has set you free. And what he says is just look in the mirror, continue to look in the mirror, the perfect life of Jesus, as James 2 says, I didn't even read all of that, but as James 2 says, behold your life in the mirror 
and don't be a forgetful hearer. See what kind of man you are and don't forget what kind of man you are. And as you are remembering who that new man is, you will find in due time the Holy Spirit will bring forth a brand new life. And it will be born of God, not born of willpower. It wouldn't be, I just faith it until it was. No, it was a revelation of the new settling in your heart. And then God, by His grace, where He became poor so that you can become rich, rich in His quality of life, will manifest by grace. And by grace you shall be saved from that which puts a burden on your life. Glory to God. Now, I mean, we can use alcohol, we can use anything there is. Maybe it's just anger, maybe it's bitterness, unforgiveness. Whatever there is that is not the quality of God's life. You know, that can be put into that category and through faith and patience we will see how we inherit what God has promised us. And please don't see the new man as a man that excludes the good works. Amen. I would like to pray for you. Father, I want to pray for everybody that's watching. Thank you for the brand new man. Thank you that you've come to recreate man. You've come to bring forth a new creation. And thank you that the old things have passed away. Even our old, uh, what we would call call anti-law parties is also over. We can now rejoice in the new and we can ha be happy for the new. We can be happy because we can now, we have now access to a life of love and kindness and freedom and joy. A life where we don't fear about polit politics, where we don't fear about our finances, where we don't fear about things, where, we, where we've got a confident expectation of your life. That is what we are saved unto. I want to thank you that we can rejoice in that. And I want to pray for our web fellowship. I thank you, Lord, that everybody here will understand this message, grab a hold of it, and see the fruit of this manifest in their lives. Amen and amen. Well, I want to thank you that you've watched this, uh, this broadcast. As you guys know, I haven't, uh, I haven't had any live broadcast for, was it two weeks or three weeks? I, I, two weeks, I didn't have any live webcasts. We've, and also not on Facebook, but now it's working again. We've had some problems and I was, man, I had a, a flu so bad, I couldn't preach at all. But I'm feeling good again and uh, I'm excited to preach this message. I want to just say to you that you are loved and that you're cared for by God, and you are what God has always dreamt, and He is powerfully sharing His life with you. Thank you so much for watching, and I'll see you again next week. God bless.